When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Welcome to Pantsuit Politics, where a woman from the right and a woman from the left accessorize the news with a fresh perspective. This is Sarah Holland from the left and Beth Silvers from the right. Welcome to another episode of The Briefcase, our special Friday episode of Pantsuit Politics, where we send you into the weekend with a few thoughts on recent events and share our Friday feedback from our awesome community of listeners. And I just want to say, you know, the original concept of Friday Briefcase was that it be a short episode. But if y'all keep being so awesome and sending us these amazing messages and feedbacks, it's going to be long. So... If you don't want to, if you want to keep it under 30 minutes, y'all are going to have to be significantly less awesome. And my husband's going to keep yelling at us for having to produce these episodes that were supposed to be short. But it's not our fault. So I just wanted to say that up front. Also, we want to ask everybody to sign up for our email list 
and give us a rating on iTunes. The email gets every new episode of Pantsuit Politics delivered directly into your mailbox, and the rating helps other people find Pantsuit Politics. We also have our new website, PantsuitPoliticsShow.com, where you can view the show notes and become a supporter of the show through donations. We're trying to raise money to expand the Pantsuit Politics community, maybe get some merchandise up for sale. Um, And that helps us do all that. And we so appreciate everyone who's donated so far. Also, the GOP debate is coming up tonight as we tape the Friday briefcase on a Thursday. And we'll be discussing that on Tuesday's show. So first up, Friday feedback. Which has been prolific. Prolific. I'm um, telling you, these are going to be three-hour episodes before this is over. Nicholas, we're sorry. So um, I wanted to start on our – we've already gotten tons of great feedback about Tuesday's episode on education. And I am also amazed and honored that you guys listen so quickly and get in touch with us with all these fantastic thoughts so fast. So Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk specifically about things we heard. And I think these were some common themes from Vielka, Bryn, and Rachel. Um, We started talking about college at sort of the end of our education discussion. And I think I can summarize, not fully, but but accurately, one point that we heard from from these folks this way. Um, Our discussion about college came from a position of privilege. We talked about making decisions about attending college versus not maybe taking a gap year, maybe saving money for college, maybe not going to college at all. And we tried to acknowledge that we were speaking from a position of privilege, but I think we didn't do as well with that as we could have. And it is absolutely the case that corporations today have made college indispensable to have real opportunities for social mobility, and that students from low-income families have a completely different analysis um, regarding attending college and what their options are in terms of attending college. So there's still a lot to talk about, and that's why I think people are drawn to programs that provide more funding for colleges and access to the Ivy Leagues and, and different schools. My, my perspective on this, Sarah, and then I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, is that we need to push the corporate side as much as the education side. I really had never thought about this. I think this is such an interesting perspective. I've really not heard much about the idea, the idea that the corporate side own, sort of has this responsibility for the pressure to receive a college degree. I think it absolutely does. I think it is really short-sighted to make a bachelor's degree a gating issue Mm -hmm. for even entry-level positions, and that's what some companies do. And I understand that, especially with the economy the way it has been for, you know, since 2008, you're flooded with resumes. It's very hard to distinguish people from one another. But my own hiring experience has been that there is no substitute for a person who works hard and wants to make themselves into the best contributor they can be. Mm -hmm. And whatever level of education that person has, if you're bringing someone into a position where you can train them and they want to learn and want to learn soft skills as well as hard skills, the degree becomes much less relevant. And so I try to always challenge my own thinking about how I am viewing differing levels of education and really focus in on what kind of person am I dealing with? What kind of position is this? I think more businesses have to start doing that. We all own this problem. It's the same thing. Like students are not responsible for fixing this problem. 
Mm-hmm. The business community is just as responsible as the education community. That's my perspective. Absolutely. And I think another thing that we wanted to mention with regards to our education discussion um, that we talked a lot about, you know, is college indispensable and um, the importance of college. But I think an important part of this discussion, there was just a really great um article in the New York Times about the fact that you can get people to college, particularly first-generation college attendees, but getting them to graduate is a totally another discussion. And what I do not want is a bunch of people signing up for college, taking on the student debt, and then dropping out. I mean, the dropout rate is pretty high, and that's not acceptable. And that, I mean, that has to be a part of the discussion as well, not just getting people to college, but getting people to graduate from college. Which so takes- I think that's an important part of the discussion as well. That takes us back, I think, to early childhood education. And Vielka took issue with my statement, I think, of I don't I don't want to think about college and kindergarten. And, and she's right. Like that's a, she had a legitimate criticism that that is a privileged position. And I want to link up a couple of blog posts that she has written on these topics. Well, and I think it's the difference between, though, it. I totally understand. Like, when I don't know if you did this when we were at Transy. They would bring middle school girls in to, like, meet with us. Did you ever do that? Yes. It was awesome. And they would have them – they would have us walk around with us just, like, to see what college was like, to put that in their heads. And But I think there's a really different – you know, there's two different things. It's that you want to make sure that college is um, sort of a, a on the horizon – something they feel like every student feels like is available to them, something to strive for. It's just sometimes we overcorrect and it becomes pressure. It becomes, and and I think this is true of privileged students and low-income students. It becomes this um, sort of yoke around the neck. Either you're pressured to get into the best school or you feel like you're going to be, that you have to go to college to be any type of success, sort of what we were, this sort of indispensable topic. And I, I mean, there's no nuance. It's like, there needs to be a place for both low-income students and high-income privileged students and students of all minorities and um, sort of backgrounds to feel like college is available to them, but that they can, but that there are multiple paths to that type of success and that they have the tools to um, sort of make that path and make, make their own journey to that goal in a way that will really make them a success as an individual and not just this one size fits all sort of situation we have right now. Well, and that situation I think is linked to our, our whole point of what is school supposed to be? Mm-hmm. And aren't we so hung up on achievement right now that we're missing actual learning? And so I, we're, we're going to link up a bunch of stuff because we, we could spend three hours talking more about this, but I, I still hold the position that our that our investment in education in terms of dollars needs to be reversed and that we need to be spending much more money even before kindergarten and recognizing that once a student gets to about third grade, if we have not built a good foundation for that student, we have failed. Right. And we aren't going to correct by getting that student funding for college if that student can't be successful in college. Well, we also had a really interesting sort of education-related discussion on Twitter um, from one of our one of our big, most favorite two two most favorite people on Twitter, Rachel and Bryn, about school uniforms. Rachel sort of asked us what we thought. She had she got into a um, an argument about whether girls should be in dress codes because it distracts the boys, which 
talk about three hours worth of problems with that statement alone. I yeah, this real... this fires me right up. It really I does. I can imagine as a mother of two daughters. I mean, yes. <laughs> and what I said was, I think that there are concerns with um, student dress, legitimate concerns, I think, um, with regards to sort of socioeconomic standing and bullying, and I, I understand those concerns. I will not um, sort of entertain a discussion about girls distracting the boys because that is sexist and bullshit. I'm sorry that's not nuanced, but that's how I feel. Um, but, you know, I think that – and also sort of my stance on uniforms with regards to school. You know, Bryn was like, I wore one for seven years. No way you're getting me back into a uniform. But I also think there's something to be said for uniforms in life. Like, I don't know how much – how much, Beth, you've ever read about sort of like decision fatigue, like President Obama wears the same thing every day. He doesn't have to pick out what he's going to wear. I'm totally moving more and more towards sort of a uniform. I just think it takes a lot of stress and um, like decision fatigue off the table, no matter how old you are or what your environment is, that I think is really important. And, and you know, sort of sociological research is, is finding it is beneficial. So... I'm sort of just on my in my productivity passion for discussions about <laughs> life uniforms. I'm I'm more interested in school uniforms, but I, I definitely understand the sort of personal expression issues people take with it. And you said there's a big big debate in Lexington, Kentucky, right now about it. I've seen a lot on Facebook um, arguing about different dress codes and also the enforcement of those dress codes and the way information is being communicated to young women and. It, you can really see a distinction between moms of young women and moms of young men mm -hmm. unfolding on Facebook. That's not particularly encouraging. I'm going to be honest. I don't find it very encouraging. <laughs> Thinking about this made me realize that I'm getting old because um, my perspective is is definitely more on the parent end than the student end at oh, this yeah. point. In high school, I would have been adamantly opposed to uniforms. I know I would have, but I was like more interesting and creative in high school than I am today. <laughs> um, as a mom who is already with a five-year-old having the daily drama of what are we going to wear? See, it's stressful. That's what I'm saying. Like, why not just eliminate that? It's not just, it's not only stressful in terms of just, it takes time, but she's already saying things like, no, I want to look fancy, or I can't wear jeans, boys wear jeans, and all oh, of these gender normative things that just kill me. And so, or like, I, I had a friend, a discussion with a friend one time. It's so funny you said that. She wanted her daughter to wear like the fancy, nice outfits she bought from, you know, sort of our children's boutique in town. And, she, you know, her argument was like, I spent a lot of money on these clothes. And her daughter, like, wanted to wear like, you know, athletic shorts and tennis shoes or whatever and I said to her I said so basically you spend a lot of money to fight with your daughter every morning and she said yeah mm -hmm, yeah she was like, pretty much like yep that's what I do and I'm like okay just make just so we're all on the same page with what's happening here well so I think it's it's stressful as a parent for me I also don't want to have discussions about necklines and hems of skirts with with my child before she's in I don't know college or maybe ever <laughs> I just think that's crazy to think about yeah and and on your point about 
uniforms in life, I am there. I Mark. and Mark Zuckerberg has talked about this Heck a lot. Yeah. Rachel Maddow has talked about how she always wears. Oh my the god! Same what, thing. Is, what was that hilarious thing she said in the Lenny interview? Her her girlfriend calls it the shades of the German rainbow because all she wears are gray and brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But again. I am not a particularly creative person, so I would be delighted to wear a uniform. Well, every see, day I don't think though it's about, about it. creativity. I mean, these are Mark Zuckerberg is a creative person. I think the idea is, yeah, you use your creativity for other. Th- like if you work in the fashion industry, yeah, and your creativity is based around clothes, that's one thing. Right, that's but a good if, point. But if you're reser- you're what you're doing is you're reserving your creative mind and your creative energy for something else, you right. know, like, and your uniform can be representative of you, like your daily, you now it wouldn't be obviously in a high school, although I've been to high schools where they have a uniform and it's not like they all look like little soldiers. Like they definitely find ways to express themselves. Um, you know, crazy socks and all kinds of stuff like that. So I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm a, I'm a, uni- I think I might be in the uniform camp. I think with- I'm getting there too. And I think mm-hmm. you made this point on Twitter as well that, Uniforms solve some problems, but most of the problems that we're talking about that these dress codes and uniforms are intended to get at are not solvable through anything but education. Yeah, and- like that you were if you're as a mother of three boys, if I feel like my sons are distracted by girls walking around in miniskirts, then I will be having a discussion with my sons. Not with the mothers or those or the, those girls or those girls. Like the discussion is, you know, about the objectification of women, not and it's sort of something we touched on in our education issue. Are we raising our kids to deal with the system we live in? Or are we raising our kids to push back against the system we live in right. and to, to improve the system we live in? And so, you know, I tend to fall and then prove the system we live in. And to me. If the sexualization of young girls is a problem, then it's not the young girl's problem. And that's what we need to discuss. That really bothers me. Totally agree. And so we got to move on, but I think that's a good segue to some really great articles that Katie Starkweather shared with us in response to our episode on identity politics. Also, that is an awesome last name. It is an awesome last name. And these are awesome articles. So Hillary Clinton in particular and women in general, we're going to share all of this in the show notes. But I really loved this quote from a study by the Peterson Institute for International Economics and EY, which used to be Ernst & Young. They found that an increase in the share of women from zero to 30 percent in management positions would be associated with a 15 percent rise in profitability. That's a big deal. Well, I've read that stuff about I've read similar studies about board of directors, too, like having women on your board of directors is associated with better performance. I've also read some about um, investment management and um, mutual funds. There's a couple that are run by women. They have, they're associated with a rise in profitability. I think there's a lot to that. And this, this article makes the point that it's more about building a management pipeline and getting women there than having diversity by fiat. So Mm -hmm. boards that are, that always have three or four women on the board do not outperform other boards in a statistically significant way. I feel like this is really getting at not just our discussion about identity politics, but our discussion about political correctness. Yes. And that I think that when someone is asking for a politically correct approach, or if someone is asking for diversity, so often I hear when I talk to those opposed to it, it feels, they feel like 
well, we're just doing this to do it. And that's not true. It's like, um, I can't remember the listener who sent us that amazing email after our um, politically correct discussion that said, like, what's getting lost is that this language is harmful. Right. It's not just we're doing it to control you or to make you feel bad about yourself or, you know, just to exert some kind of power over individual expression. It's that politically incorrect speech and a lack of diversity in education, in corporate America, is in politics, <laughs> is harmful to all of us it's harmful to all of us in real concrete ways not just hurt feelings we are special breakfast people here at pantsu politics but not just when beth and i are on the road the truth is i want something warm from the oven every saturday morning and sunday morning it's just the truth it makes it feel special makes it feel exciting i don't want to work at it so the first time i ever saw wild grain which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Well, that...
plays nicely with another article that Katie sent us and that we'll also share about why there's this gap between younger and older women with respect to Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. In this article, I think is the most balanced um, analysis of this topic that I've read. So it talks about why the parts of Bernie Sanders that really appeal to young women beyond he's trendy right now, Mm -hmm. right? It talks about how young women are very concerned about feminist issues, including rape culture on college campuses, Mm -hmm. including things it specifically mentions, school uniforms that shame young women, and how Bernie Sanders speaks to those kinds of issues in a really meaningful way. And older women, which were defined painfully at 35 (laughs) for me as I stare (laughs) down my 35th birthday this weekend, um, are experiencing in the workplace a structure that increasingly throughout your career continues to feel like it was built by men for men. Mm-hmm. And that's why the refrain of I want a woman president, but not this woman is becoming problematic and personal to women of that demographic because they feel like then when, and I love yeah. this quote from the article and you've said things like this before, I pray to God that one day we can field a female Bernie Sanders candidate, some disheveled lady yelling, and the country will still seriously consider her. But nothing in our culture indicates to me that that's remotely possible right now. I really related to that comment. That is Nicholas Holland's consistent position. And he says it in the most diverse, even most conservative audience. He says, you know, even Bernie supporters, reverse the genders. It's a joke. Reverse the genders. It's a joke. A male senator and secretary of state and a female social democratic socialist from Vermont with crazy hair who yells and points a lot. That's not, she wouldn't be a senator, much less a presidential candidate. Like it's just, it wouldn't, it's not even, it's not even a thing. And I don't, I'm intrigued by the idea that he speaks to young women's feminist issues. I don't really feel like it's not just to me that, um, and I've said this before, I feel like Bernie is tone deaf on, the entire range of, of gender issues. I think his art, and I think the reason it's the same reason he appeals appears tone deaf on race issues, which is his response is, well, it's really about economics. It's really about that women are hurt by the economics. It's really about that black people are hurt by the economics. No, mm -mm, nope. It's not just about that. And that's why I think that's his biggest problem with regards to, to um, at least older feminists. And I don't really know why that doesn't um, happen why he doesn't feel more tone deaf to really younger women. I, I, I think the, the article's point about, like, there's a really great, um, and I think this is one of the ones she linked to about, it's, it's it, you know, it's in a, it's being out there. It's women get more radical as they age because they experience sexism in a different way. So, yes to all the things Katie said. Well, I, I don't know that it's entirely, I, I'm, I am admittedly not the best advocate for Bernie Sanders <laughs> or, or Hillary Clinton, but I don't know if it's entirely fair to characterize his position as single issue. I think Hillary Clinton's doing that really effectively right now, but it does seem to me that there is more in his record and in his life story to indicate that he is passionate about feminist issues, about people of color, about making the United States more inclusive generally. I, I definitely understand this gap between younger and older women. I, yeah. I see it. I'm not 
um, per- personally invested in it enough because of my policy differences with these two candidates to to speak very articulately. But I do want to be respectful of our many listeners who support Bernie Sanders and and challenge a little bit the notion that he that he can't speak effectively to younger women. I understand why he. Well, has he ha- that I mean, appeal. he has and he is. Let's. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> the numbers are clear. So one quick thing before we move on, we also uh, got a really fascinating message from Megan, who lives in the Western United States and knows a lot about the situation that occurred earlier um, this winter in Oregon with the, the ranchers who occupied a federal building. She sent us some great um, articles about this that we'll link to, but I wanted to just highlight the perspective of someone who lives in that part of the United States. She has a really balanced and, and I would say nuanced approach here. She talked about how the federal government's ownership of so much land does cause legitimate problems for ranchers who need lots of acres for grazing animals. Mm-hmm. I think that is so important. And what really got lost through the approach that these, I'm just going to call them what they are, vigilantes took, because There is a legitimate conversation to happen about the ownership of land in our country. How much should the federal government own? Why should it own it? What rights do the people have to the people's land? Right. That whole expression of the people's land. Well, what does that mean? Because what is the government if not the people? So I think the rest of the country lost the opportunity to meaningfully participate in a debate that would advance some progress on this topic because it looked like a bunch of yahoos with guns so taking a federal building. Listen, I was watching, I don't remember which news channel it was, and they were talking about the Nevada caucus and they showed, I guess they were about to discuss this issue, but I just caught a glimpse of they were like, they did a map with an overlay of federally owned land on top of it. And the federally owned part just looked like the state of Nevada. Like, I was just looking at that one state quickly because that was the caucus that was coming up. I mean, it was like, it was just Nevada. (laughs) There was no, like, parts of it owned by the federal government. It just looked like the whole state. Um, And I I think I would, I think, you know, I lack education on this issue because I don't live in the Western United States, although my father does. Um, And my my father's family lived in Arizona for a long time. Um, But I think you're right. When you take a extreme position you don't encourage a nuanced position you don't encourage reasonable people to consider your position when you act in such extreme ways so megan's take on this she she wrote in my opinion the federal government has to have some way to regulate lands that are for the people it does not seem conducive for the federal government to relinquish land rights to all of the people with no way to manage who gets rights to use the lands totally agree and she said ranchers should really use the regulatory process to advance this cause. She wanted to give a shout out to the federal government as well for minimizing violence and ending Mm -hmm. the standoff. I totally agree with that. Had a great conversation with my best friend this week about how sad it is if you, like to the point we were just making about switching the genders for Bernie Sanders, if you switch the race of the people involved in this situation, the, the likelihood that the outcome would have been different. And I hope that this can be a good example of of peaceful resolution to situations that we can apply um, without respect to the Democrats. Well, I feel like somewhere involved. Barack Obama was like, this is going to end well. I will not have on my watch as the first black president who they already say I'm trying to take everything away and just, you know, this vi- like I, I read so many things in my Facebook feed about like Obama's instituting martial law. He's going to stay for a third. I mean, just crazy stuff. So I just feel like he was like, listen, <laughs> this is, this is going to go down 
in the most nonviolent, calm way possible. I'm not taking out a bunch of white rangers at the, my last year in office. That is an interesting perspective and one I haven't considered and probably a good way to transition to our more political topic out of the excellent feedback that we continue to receive from our community of listeners. So we talked about um, the new hot mic moment coming from one of your favorite shows, Morning Joe. I'll let you tell what happened because I'm not a Morning Joe watcher. This actually took place in the um, town hall that Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski hosted with Donald Trump. Uh, A hot mic caught them talking with Trump during the breaks in a very friendly way. And in a in a way that I think does present some troubling questions, although my perspective is that this hot mic moment would not be troubling without the backdrop of the coverage that they've given him throughout the primary. So some of the conversation, there was a moment when Mika Brzezinski, when I watch the video, it's very different than reading about the audio. So there's a moment when Mika I think pretty clearly is speaking with a producer about do do I ask this particular question or not, but it has been interpreted by some as her asking Trump if she should ask oh, that question. Oh, that's how when I was listening to it, yeah, it sounded like she was just asking him. No, I think it's pretty clear that she was talking to a producer. Oh, okay. but there, but but there's a very friendly banter. There's a moment where Donald Trump says, "You know, I don't really get anything out of doing this. You guys get a raise and all these ratings. What's in it for me?" The backdrop that is relevant here is that Donald Trump has repeatedly called in to Morning Joe and done long discussions with them. I mean, 30, 40 minutes, unheard of in this media environment. Now, they always say, we'll take anybody's call. Our phones are open. Hillary Clinton, we'd love for you to call in and talk to us for an hour. The only person who's taken them up on that is Lindsey Graham, who I just love more and more as we get to know him. Um For things like that. You know, he heard the phones are open. He called. Fantastic. They are always um, advocates for taking Trump seriously. And I think they have developed a real defensiveness about the way they've covered his campaign. But didn't he end an interview that one time? Yes. He hung up on him, basically. They hung up on him. They Well, they went to break because... Donald Trump was doing what he does, which is basically filibuster his way through hard questions. Mm. And there was a point where he would not stop talking to let them ask the follow-up question. And Joe Scarborough said, we're going to go to break if you won't stop talking. This has to be a conversation. He kept talking and they went to break. They came back. They talked to him for another 30 minutes or so. It was kind of like they reset and got back on the same page and went forward. So they have been a very friendly environment for him. They are right now on a kick of believing that Rubio has not gone after Trump hard because Rubio is angling for a VP spot um, with Donald Trump. So there is it is a much friendlier environment for him than anyone else. Why do that? Well, what Mika says is that he just is all ambition and nothing else. And he will say or do anything to move forward. 
I don't have a very um, compelling challenge to that statement, but I think that it, it all begs the question. This is the most interesting thing to me, and it was presented very well by a scathing Rolling Stone article. What what is what is a journalist today? Are they journalists? Are they reporters? Are they pundits? Is there a difference anymore? Do you need to announce that to people? With with the 24-hour coverage that we have going on, the influence of opinion in journalism, which I don't think is bad. I, I, I think don't opinions either. are it's, interesting. Well, pretending like it doesn't exist is foolish. Yes. That's what bothers me about it. And I think that, you know, I don't think that Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski are journalists, first of all. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy Filtered Showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy Filtered Showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, 
Whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Um, I think that journalist, I think that, okay, let me say this. I think that part of Donald Trump's um, rise is that he makes money for the media. No doubt in my mind. They put Donald Trump on. They give, they sort of egg on this horse race. They make more money. They get better ratings. I, you know, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory, but I think that it's just, even if they think they're not doing it, they're doing it. Because there's, I mean, if you're a 24-hour news network, Donald Trump is sent from heaven, like like a present delivered by angels, right? He's just nothing but content all the time. He just mouths off and mouths off, and it's entertaining, and that's all it is. And so I have felt like there are some journalists and we all know how I feel about Ezra Klein. He's my boyfriend. Um, I feel like he has done a good job just being like, look, this is dangerous. His opinions are dangerous. There is no need to walk this neutrality line and treat him like a real political candidate. He doesn't play by the same rules. There's no reason to treat him as if he's just the senator running for president. He is changing the rules. He needs to be, we need to talk openly about how dangerous his candidacy is for this country. Like, I I don't, neutrality to me is not, we give 50% of the time to Democrats and we give 50% of the time to Republicans. Neutrality is we acknowledge our own opinions and we try to report the truth. If the truth is that Democrats are lying, report that. You don't have to then turn around and act like, well, here's here's where Republicans lie. No, just report the story. That's why people used to love The Daily Show so much is because it wasn't about, Let's be neutral all the time and let's just give fair, you know, let's give, let's divide our time equally behind both sides because sometimes that's not the story. The story is not equally split between Democrats and Republicans. Sometimes the story is that Republicans are doing awful things and sometimes the story is that Democrats are doing awful things. And so just tell me the story. Don't play this game of we have to do 50 50 split. It drives me crazy. And I don't, and what bothers me about the coverage of Donald Trump is they're not even pretending. They're not even giving 50 50 time. I don't, I mean, it's really frustrating, and I think everybody feels like this was funny. It's not funny anymore. Like, this is getting scary. So I think with Joe and Mika specifically, I, I don't feel defensive of them anyway. I don't know what the right answers are here. I think that, that probably a lot of banter between journalists and candidates is appropriate and happens all the time, and out of context might sound scary. Mm-hmm. What I like about that show is that their biases are disclosed, He's yeah. a Republican, and he says so. She's a Democrat, and she says so. I don't think of them as reporters like, you know, the evening news. Right. And for me, maybe the answer going forward is just that kind of disclosure. That's part of why we started this podcast. Absolutely. Because we're not reporters, and we're not journalists. We're two people with opinions, and we feel like there's something to be said for saying Full disclosure of all my biases. Mm -hmm. Here's how I think about this issue. I want to hear from someone who's willing to do that, too, in a different direction and see where that leads us. And that makes me think that the answer in journalism is total disclosure, both of personal opinion 
and all of the corporate resources mm-hmm. behind that media outlet. Well, and I think the difference between um, something like Morning Joe, I mean, there's a lot of differences between Morning Joe and Pantsy Politics, obviously. But I think that it's not just that we're disclosing our biases, is that there is an honest curiosity. We don't, there's no stakes for us. Our only stake is trying to figure out how we feel about something and being honest and open with our with each other and with our listeners. I don't have anybody saying, well, that's not helpful to the Democratic Party. And I don't have anybody saying our advertisers aren't going to like that. It's my only priority is to be honest and curious and vulnerable with you and our listeners. That's it. And so that's what creates an honest conversation is when there's not all these stakeholders. You know, it complicates things, just like I said in our (laughs) – seems like a a theme I'm coming upon a lot recently. Well, we've talked about – looking at sponsorship opportunities for the podcast because we do want to grow the community and grow the amount of time that we're each able to devote to this. But to be totally transparent with our listeners and talking about sponsorship, it's really important to us that we continue to own the show because we don't want anyone exercising any sort of control over what we say. We don't want that stakeholder keeping us from being completely transparent and honest. And if we do end up in a sponsorship situation, it, it will be with a partner who understands that, right? right? And and I think it's our obligation to disclose to our listeners, especially because we're receiving some listener support, here's what we're doing with the show. Yep, absolutely. And that's not happening right now, especially because there are these giant media conglomerates mm-hmm. where you can feel a somewhat legitimate sense of conspiracy theory about anything that's happening. And I've read a lot of conspiracy theory on what's happening at Morning Joe with Donald Trump. I tend to think that part of what's going on there is that Joe Scarborough says all the time, all of the people in media attacking Donald Trump are actually attacking his supporters and in doing so making him stronger. And there is truth to that. I think there is truth to that, but I don't think that's the whole truth. I mean, I think that it's a weird situation when you're a media company hosting a Democratic debate, and you know your ratings are going to be five times as high if it's Donald Trump up there saying whatever the hell he wants as opposed to five politicians trying to stake out this careful triangulation, right? Absolutely. So they're motivated to keep him in the race, and I think that's an easy out to say, well, you're attacking his supporters. That's not true. Sometimes you can attack the things Donald Trump says, which are outrageous, and... First of all, if you attack some of his supporters because their political opinions and the reasons they support Donald Trump are racist or sexist, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. You can do that. Um, It's okay to say it's racist to exclude an entire group of people based on their religion. Like, Well, here's my question. It's okay, but is it helpful? Is that the way that we actually get people to listen and think and question where they are. And and I don't want to get too sidetracked by this because we're going to devote a, a substantial chunk of Tuesday's podcast to Ivanka's dad based mm-hmm. on some great questions that we got from Nikki on, on in a Facebook message. But I think that's that's the topic. It is okay to call these things out. Right now, I think that is all fueling the fire. And so, in fact, we're going to talk about Nikki's – Nikki had some really great messages, and there was a really great article on um, Vox about sort of some polling done that um, pinpointed some of Donald Trump's – I've posted on our Twitter and Facebook feed about um, these kind of indicators of Donald Trump's support. So we'll we'll 
put that in the show notes too so y'all can read up on it because we're going to discuss that in um, detail on Tuesday. Along with the GOP debate and lots of other things, and that's probably a good place for us to wrap up since we've already gone longer than we're supposed to on our Friday episodes. (laughs) Thank you, Nicholas, for bearing with us through that. Thank you all for listening. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pantsuit Politic. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Keep it nuanced, y'all.